crossroads. Have you ever been to a crossroads in your life? For me, a uh, crossroads for me was back in 1986. Um, basically, crossroads is defined as a point at which a crucial decision must be made that will have far-reaching consequences. That decision that had to be made for me, again, like I mentioned, was back in 1986, August 12th. I came to a a youth camp, and during that time is when I heard about uh, what Jesus has done for me and the opportunity to receive Him as Savior. You see, before that time, I was living my life in a way where I didn't have a lot of purpose, but I was doing what I thought was right, and um, I didn't get into all the drugs and alcohol and everything like that. I was a good kid, but I just didn't have a lot of purpose involved. And then come that time on that Tuesday night at uh, Camp Baker, knowing that Jesus died for me, knowing that Jesus died for me on that cross for my sins, and that He did not stay dead, that he rose from the grave and he lives in heaven. He's preparing a place for me. Knowing all those things, I thought that's the purpose I want. I want to live for him. I want to have purpose in my life that helps others see the good news as well too. When I received Christ as my Savior during that day, it was was an incredible feeling. I wanted to tell the whole world (laughs) about that. I kind of looked kind of foolish probably among all the other uh, young people there, and, uh, but I just couldn't help myself, wanted to let other people know. But since that day, Jesus has given me purpose and has given me direction and has given me uh, opportunity, as you well know, being pastor, to let others know about Christ and to convey His good news to others around me. That was a crossroads that I came to in my life. And I'm sure you have come to a crossroads in your life as well, too, where a decision had to be made that would have far-reaching consequences down, down, the, down the road. There comes a point in everyone's life when he or she encounters those moments and, that, and the proverbial fork in the road. And I have seen that fork in the road before. If you drive down towards Lebanon on Corvallis-Lebanon Highway, you'll encounter an actual fork in the road. looks like that. And that fork in the road is a little north of that highway. I did not know that <laughs> as far as uh, it was crazy seeing that there. And the thing is, is that you can, you can tell people, yeah, I, I've, I've come to a fork on the road and there it is. But anyway, if you ask Yogi Berra about forks in the road, he would tell you that when you come to a fork in the road, take it. And then there's, a, there's Robert Frost, who so eloquently penned in one of his most famous poems, The Road Not uh, Taken. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7 today, and uh, Jesus is, is uh, giving the Sermon on the Mount. And in that time, he comes across this moment where he says in verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus taught the road we choose is a matter of life or death. It's a decision that makes all the difference for our eternal destiny. One road leads to life, the other leads to death. 
The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and he said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A scriptural fork in the road. Well, we encounter this teaching in Matthew chapter 7 at the conclusion of uh, this, Jesus' greatest teaching moment, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus referenced an old law saying, You have heard that it was said, and then he'd follow it by the phrase of, but I tell you. And as he went on, he taught the people there. And when he said this, he was providing a new way of obedience. And in this sermon, the law against murder was superseded by a law against hate. The law against adultery was supplanted by a law against lust. The law to love one's neighbor was unveiled revealing the command to love one's enemy. So in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus teaches us about this road of obedience that leads to life. Now, we've been traveling down the roads to Jesus, and we conclude our road trip, if you will, with the road of obedience found here in Matthew chapter 7, where we'll find that we need to walk down this road in spite of the persecution and trouble that you may face. It's a path that we need to choose. So what about this road of obedience? Let's let's find out what this road of obedience is about. And I want to share with you a number of things that what this road of obedience is. First of all, few find few find the road of obedience. How many of you, when first coming here to Happy Valley, had trouble finding 129th Avenue? You just take Sunnyside Road, go north on 122nd, and you'll get to the church at 129th. Okay. Do I turn any other way or what? Just stay on that road? And become, yeah, it just becomes 129th. That's how it happens here. And so same road, different name, and few can find this road, but it's here. And it's not as though the, the gate is so narrow that it cannot be found by less fortunate or unlucky people as we, we hear in Scripture here. It's the, in the previous passage, Jesus assured his hearers that the ones who seek will definitely find. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So the real issue is that few actually desire to enter through. In a similar teaching found in Luke chapter 13, verse 22, Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door. So the masses prefer the broader, the the more enticing gate, which seems better suited for travel. There's no sign on the wide gate, though, that that reads dead end. If it did, then people would probably say, oh, ah, that wouldn't be a good thing to go down. But the writer of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, knew of this deceptive path by saying, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Jesus doesn't want us to be surprised when we find ourselves alone on the road that leads to life. There are times in our lives when obedience to God requires that we take a position that is unpopular, which leads us to the next thought about the road of obedience. The road of obedience challenges the popular route. Many enter the broad road because it's popular. Everybody's doing it, right? 
We don't like to be out of it when we can be with the in crowd. Always want to be with who's going on with others who are who are moving forward. I can remember uh, as a kid, I always wanted to be with those who knew what was going on, the in crowd that that had it going. And if I wasn't with them, and it felt I felt left out. I wanted to be with them and doing the things they were doing as well too, which probably wasn't the best thing. But sometimes we do hear the phrase, everybody's doing it. It must be all right. That's the phrase I use with my mom many times. <laughs> you know the response she gave me? Well, if everybody was jumping off the cliff, would you too? Would you do it too? No. Wrong is wrong, even if everybody is doing it. Right is right, even if nobody is doing it. You see, the majority doesn't determine if something is wrong or right. I trust that you're learning that these days, especially when it seems like the majority is going a whole different way these days in our culture. But when entering the wide gate, we have lots of room for excess baggage. We can bring a whole lot of stuff with us when we take, on, uh, take a walk on down the, the, through the wide gate. But that's not the case when we enter through the narrow gate. Excess baggage can't go through with you. It is difficult to swim upstream because everyone's going the other way, but it is worth it. So keep at it. I, there's a number of times when the unpopular decision had to be made. I can remember within our conference, and I'm sure uh, others can remember as well too, when the sale uh, of uh, Jenny's Lodge happened within our conference. Now that was an unpopular decision. It, you know, it, it still passed. Our conference leadership decided that, that was needed. And so that, that, those grounds, you've been there probably with the summer assembly and, and all that went on many, many years. And now it's housing development. And when you drive by there on River Road, I drive by it and I'm, I, I get a little sad because of all the history that was there with our denomination and our conference. But an unpopular decision had to be made in that. And now the funds for that, uh, from the sale of that are going into ministries of church planting, church health, and other ministries that can reach out different people in different areas. I'm sure you've had other unpopular decisions that had to be made too during the pandemic. Decisions that you made that probably didn't ring very well with other people around you. So there's a lot of times when you've had to make the unpopular decision. And the thing is that the road of obedience challenges the popular route. Also, too, the road of obedience is difficult. The road of obedience is difficult. In verse 14, the, the word translated narrow might be uh, understood as oppressive or troubled to describe the path that leads to life. And in other places in the New Testament, the word is translated hard-pressed or harassed. <laughs> and persecuted to describe some of the Apostle Paul's hardships that he endured on his missionary journeys. And this teaches us that the way in obedience to Christ is marked with great difficulty, and even persecution should be expected. It's not going to be easy, this road of obedience. It's going to be tough. Just as uh, just Jesus said as well, too, at the outset of this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 
He said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this road of obedience is going to be difficult. This road of obedience also chooses to play by the rules. <laughs> if you're a rule follower, you're good to go on this one. If you're not, it's going to, you're going to try to fit into this. Narrow in the Greek means restricted or confined. And so, yes, that's what happens. Many don't like freedoms restricted, though. Let me do what I want to do. I want to be free and, and, and do these. Some want to serve God, yet they want to do as they please. So serve God, do what they want, sometimes does not match up. And we need to come in line under what God has for us and His will for us. We need rules. We need rules, just as we need stripes on highways. Uh, just think about the time when we had uh, Mount Scott here was uh, the, the two-lane, and it was narrow. We had a parking that we could have out front of the church there as well, too. But then King Road on the other side of the intersection was widened because there's the left turn lane. Well, the, the, the road leading this way off of Mount Scott would lead right across the intersection into that left turn lane. So what they did is they made sure that people were able to understand that they needed to go over a bit. And the lines needed to show that. Otherwise, you'd go right smack right into the left lane. That's why they, again, uh, later on, widened this a little bit more so that it would line up with that road on the other side of the intersection. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of accidents, that would head-on accidents that would happen, possibly. Lights on air, airplane runways, you need them, <laughs> knowing where to land, all these things. Uh, have you ever uh, driven down a road where they had just paved the road? They haven't quite uh, put the, the, the stripes down there on the, on the road yet. That's hard to follow where you're going to be on that road. I've been on country roads like that before. And it's like, where are the lines? Where am I going on this? Guardrails on curves are helpful to have. And I've heard a saying as well, too, that <laughs> it doesn't do any good to sow wild oats all week and then go to church and pray for crop failure. We need to make sure that we're living by the rules that God has for us. His word, following His word, being obedient to what He has for us. The road of obedience chooses to play by the rules. And the road of obedience is also paved with personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Now, there are several differences between the two ways I want to bring out to you here today. And... Uh, point out those differences. One way is hard, the other is easy. Anyone who tells you that following Christ is easy is lying to you. You know what's easy? Going with the flow, following the crowd, doing what everyone else is doing. It's the path of least resistance, and it's so easy. But following Jesus on the narrow path to heaven is never easy. It's a battle to keep your big mouth shut, right? It's a battle for patience. It's a battle to get rid of our anger and resentment, to put the needs of others above our own, to keep our priorities straight. See, if you go with the flow, you'll go to hell. You'll end up on the wrong road and you're heading down the wrong path. Going with the majority will never get you to heaven. Walking through the small gate and traveling the narrow road is really, really hard. But Jesus says, travel that road anyway. One way also, too, is long, and the other is short. Traveling the wide road to destruction is not only easy, it's short. So short that you're already there. You are. 
The Bible makes it clear that you and I are already dead in our sins. We're not on our way to, de- we're not on our way to destruction. We're already there. The shortest road in the world is the road to hell. We don't need to exert an ounce of effort to get there because we've already made our reservation. But the road to heaven is a long road. As Christians, we may have, a, have come a long way in our faith, but we still have a long way to go. But as hard as it is to follow Christ well over the long haul, it is so worth it. So worth it. And one way is disciplined, and the other is undisciplined. Nothing great is ever achieved without discipline. But untold millions of men and women have squandered their lives by being undisciplined. The wide road is easy, it's short, lazy. The narrow road is hard and long and requires discipline. And then one way is thoughtful, while the other is thoughtless. It requires no thinking at all to go to hell, (laughs) not at all. You don't have to think about what's right, what's wrong, what's moral or immoral. You don't have to think about whether God approves or disapproves of your words or your, your actions or your priorities. You don't have to think at all to go to hell. Just do whatever you feel like doing. But if you don't want to go to hell, you must think. We live in a time when far too many people fail to consider the long-term consequences of their actions. Too many who are under the influence or while intoxicated get behind the wheel of a car without considering that their actions might kill someone. Married men and women have affairs without considering that their selfishness will tear their families apart. Far too many people live for the moment and will spend eternity regretting it. We have a personal responsibility in traveling this this hard, long road with discipline and thoughtfulness. The road of obedience is paved with personal responsibility. The road of obedience also leads to life. On one occasion, an expert in the law asked Jesus, what he had to do in order to inherit eternal life? And this is the question we all desire to know the answer to. And in short, Jesus affirmed the answer in Luke chapter 10. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus said, do this and you will live. The road of obedience involves a life committed to loving God Everything one has, with that, with everything one has, with all your being, loving God and loving others. And in John, Jesus says that He has come that we may have life and have it to the full. So if we choose to walk the road of obedience and following after Him, we, have, we will have that eternal life. Walk in that. So the road of obedience leads to life. Also, the road of obedience It's a way of life. It's a way of life. The Christian life is much more than a once-for-all decision. That's great. Great that a decision is made for Christ, being able to receive Him as Savior, but it doesn't stop there. The road of obedience is a way of living between that initial decision and the final goal of heaven when we finally get there. In Matthew Matthew chapter 7, those two verses, 13 and 14, it's not just about a choice of, of gates at the crossroads, 
but also a choice of roads in life. Salvation is not just a decision of, of destiny, but a choice of a way of life, how you live your life. As you receive Christ as your Savior, from there on you should be living your life as a thank offering to Him, being thankful for what He has done for you. And to be able to live a thank offering to Him, you live in obedience, the road of obedience. What He says, you do. And if you don't get to that point right away, then it's a point where you need to come to God and say, okay, I, I'd like to do my own thing, but I know what I need to do. And that's when you come to God and say, all right, I submit myself all to you. I allow you, Lord, to be Lord of my life. See, on the road of obedience, being a way of life, that moment will come to you. And you'll realize your need, not only as Christ as your Savior, but Christ as your Lord. But there are a couple of things we need to understand about this, this way of life on the road of obedience. First of all, you need to leave your old life behind. You need to leave your old, old life behind. The decision to become a follower of Christ includes the understanding that you don't bring your old way of life with you on this road of obedience. And the significance of the narrow gate is not simply a matter of just understanding that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. The significance of the narrow gate is also that you must drop your unchristlike attitudes and those actions when you pass through that gate. You can carry on whatever you wish and carry on however you wish on the other road because it's wide and it accommodates all that kind of baggage. Baggage that includes what Galatians chapter 5 speaks of, about the acts of the sinful nature, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. These attitudes, these actions don't characterize the life of the person who has passed through the narrow gate and is on the road of obedience. You have to leave that stuff at the gate. Interestingly, in the teaching that immediately follows Christ's teaching on the narrow gate is a teaching on the tree and its fruit. Matthew 7, verses, uh, starting at verse 17. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So when a person becomes a follower of Christ, he or she passes through the narrow gate of salvation, and as a new creation in Christ, begins to live a new life in Christ. You see that through the fruit. But there are a couple of dangers to avoid in this as you're through this gate, going down this road of obedience. The first danger is reclaiming what was left behind. You might have left it behind there, but then you go, oh, I think I'm going to grab those anyway, and you bring it with you. Once through that narrow gate, onto the road of obedience, there's the urge of one to reclaiming some of those things we dropped at that gate, the bad fruit, the sinful nature, and try to bring those things along with us on the way to heaven as part of the Christian life. Watch out for that. Satan would love you to take those things with you because those things will trip you up 
all the time on that road. Another danger to avoid, the second danger, once you once through the narrow gate, our primary objective is to no longer produce bad fruit. No longer producing bad fruit only. That's a danger. So we stop doing all those things that characterize the sinful nature. Great. Okay. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, all those things. We don't do those things. Great. Maybe you're familiar with a saying, a little saying, I don't smoke, drink, dance, or chew, nor go with the girls that do. So you don't do those things. And in that setting, you focus on not doing those things as you journey down the road of obedience. Not producing the bad fruit becomes your only action. Watch out for that. Because not producing bad fruit isn't the same as producing good fruit. For example, I think that scripture is written for our our cherry tree in our backyard. (laughs) About good fruit and bad fruit. I've spoken about this before. Our cherry tree, when, since we've been there, has not produced hardly any cherries. Maybe at times there have been none. And uh, a lot of times I look at that tree, I'm thinking, what good are you? Why are you back here dropping leaves all over our yard in the fall? That's about all you're good for. But the cherry tree back there it just would not produce fruit. And if it did produce fruits, sometimes it would be some bad fruit. We'd see marks in it. We'd see it shriveled. We'd see... All types of things, those, those bad fruit, and would be a lot of it. But the cherry, cherry tree, though, didn't produce a single bad cherry when it didn't produce any fruit. So when it was not producing any fruit at all, at least we didn't get any bad cherries. Great. But neither did it produce a single good cherry. I still want to chop it down. <laughs> now, it would be a different story if it produced good cherries. Now, it's just not producing any fruit. Well, that doesn't cut it either. You're supposed to be producing some kind of fruit here. And we'd rather have it produce some good cherries. (laughs) Not producing bad fruit is not the same as producing good fruit. Leave your old way of life behind. The second thing we need to understand about the road of obedience being a way of life is that we become Christ-like and produce the fruit of the Spirit. The decision to become a follower of Christ includes that we be conformed to the image and and the character of Christ and bear the good fruit of the Spirit. Romans 12, 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, once a person passes through the narrow gate, that person should begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit demonstrating the life and the character of Christ. Living the life of Christ and bearing the fruit of the Spirit isn't easy, and it takes time. It's much easier to just go with the flow and carry on with all your carry-on baggage over at the wide gate. It's even easier to simply stop doing the stuff you used to do, simply not produce any bad fruit. The hard work of it is in bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The road is described in Jesus' own words as difficult. Being angry is the easy way. Being critical is the easy way. Being out of control is the easy way. Being stubborn is the easy way. Being proud is the easy way. The difficult way is the way that produces the fruit of the Spirit as spoken of in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
So the challenge is not simply to come to Christ through the narrow gate. It is also to become Christ-like on the road of obedience. So the road of obedience is a way of life. And then finally, the road of obedience changes our eternal place of residence. The broad way leads to destruction. The narrow way leads to life. Luke's version of this says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Make every effort. That phrase, it comes from the same word as agonize. Agonize. Has the idea of an athlete persistently enduring, even agonizing with determination. We had the opportunity to see Zachary prepare for his marathon in Boston. He's going to run the Boston Marathon. And he wanted to prepare for that by running a 10K. Yes, yeah, a little quick 10K. <laughs> 25 laps around the track. <laughs> That's all. And it's not just like jogging. He, he's, he ran five, five minute, 10 second laps is what his goal was. And yeah, he about got there. He was pretty, pretty happy about that. So we were out there watching him do this. And it was the last event of this track meet over at Lewis and Clark. And Lewis and Clark College had uh, all these other colleges there at this track meet. And, and towards the end, then they did the 10K. They had two guys running, basically, that were preparing for a marathon. And then they had a number of other runners from Lewis and Clark as pace runners. They would run with them and keep them in, in pace. And they would, they would fall off after a bit and allow then those runners to keep on going. And so Zachary is doing that. And I was in the middle of the, the uh, track there watching him, encouraging him, and cheering him on and uh, walking opposite of him so I could meet up with him when he'd come around again and say, keep going, you're doing great, and 25 laps. <laughs> and then uh, towards the end, about uh, two laps left, and I headed on over to the finish line. And when I got there, I noticed that he was just agonizing to get to that finish line. You can see it on his face. He was striving to get there. And so when I think about making every effort, I got that image in my mind of Zachary just straining forward, trying to get to the end of that, that uh, finish line. Now, he was still all in control, but you could see it in his face that he was agonizing to get there. Make every effort. The road of obedience changes our eternal place of residence, and we need to make every effort going on down that road. Have you heard of Layler Street and, and Route 129, Mercer County, New Jersey? It's right there. It's the deadliest intersection in the United States. Nine fatal crashes occurred from uh, 2000 to 2019. There are two other intersections just four blocks from each other, also in, in New Jersey. So if you travel in New Jersey, watch yourself. But there are two other intersections just four blocks from each other that have had nine fatal crashes and seven fatal crashes in that same time period. It's amazing. Life is full of what may be described as the most dangerous intersections or crossroads. And we are all at one this morning. Making the correct turns is the difference between making the worst decision or the best decision of your life. Making the correct turn is the difference between making the most dangerous decision in your life and making the safest decision of your life. Some of you are standing at the narrow gate, trying to decide if you want to follow Christ or take your stuff and 
move on to the wide gate. The decision is to accept Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. The decision is to turn from your old way of life, receive the free gift of forgiveness, salvation in Christ, and start down the road of obedience. Today, will you commit yourself to Christ to become a devoted, lifelong follower? Some of you are standing in the middle of the road of obedience right now, seriously lacking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lacking seriously in those areas. So today, will you renew your commitment to Christ and to cooperating with the ongoing work of God's Spirit in your life so that He who has begun a good work in you may continue that work until Jesus Christ returns? The challenge is not simply to come, <clears throat> come to Christ through the narrow gate. It is also to become increasingly Christ-like all along the road of obedience. It's decision time basically. What will you decide? I'm going to have the worship team come on up. And as they do, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, just think about your answer to the question, what road am I traveling down? What road am I traveling down? Lord Jesus, I thank you for speaking to our hearts today about this road of obedience. And Lord, as we stand there at the narrow gate and the wide gate and we, we have this decision to make, I pray, Lord, that you impress on our hearts the need to follow you no matter how difficult it gets. The narrow way is not going to be easy, but it's going to be so rewarding. And I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of that. Help us, Lord, to realize that following you is what we need to do. Lord, if we've gone through the narrow gate and we're traveling down the road of obedience, but we find ourselves lacking in maybe in the, some of those areas of the fruit of the Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you would impress on our hearts the need to hand over to you our desire to do our own thing in those areas and allow you to do a work in our lives. Lord, maybe there's someone here today that's standing at the, the, those gates and ready to make a decision. Lord, I pray that you impress on their hearts the need to make the decision to go the narrow way because you are a good God and you want the best for us. And down that, that road from that narrow gate is a road that leads to life. Help us, Lord, to make a wise choice today. And I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to speak to our hearts Maybe there's something else that you're bringing to our attention. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we would respond in obedience to you today. Whatever you have for us, we will follow. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us, and I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to do so as we go into these songs, and Lord, that we would respond to you by saying yes. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.